Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello and welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason and I'm from California and now I'm living in wonderful, beautiful China. Today with me is Alex. Hello everybody, this is Alex Sure, I am from China, proudly representing the Northeast, Dongbei, and I'm speaking to you from Beijing today. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. So today I wanted to talk to you about rent. Ouch. Actually, firstly, I want to talk about rent, but then later, <laughs> I know. Well, I don't know. Ouch, maybe for you in Beijing. I'm in Wuhan and it's not so ouch. But um, I wanted to actually talk about it in the context of what's going on. For, I want to talk about what it's like to rent an apartment in America and China and other places. But I also want to put that in context because now in 2022, a lot of people are struggling more than ever before. Is that something you're familiar with? I could definitely speak to renting in both the United States and China because I've done both and for a longer period as well. So let's see if we're going to find more differences or similarities between renting in these two places. I, I don't know. Personally, I found it a huge amount of differences other than like you're renting a place to live um <laughs> that's just me mm -hmm. i was looking around and it looks like during the pandemic there were like several laws to prevent evictions in and on federal level in the united states and in different yeah. states have different laws so federal law has expired in january but some states are preventing uh evictions by mm -hmm. landlords for people who have not been able to pay their rent and that means soon homelessness is going to go up i checked the figures for homelessness oh. According to Statistica.com, and it's 580,000 Americans are currently without homes. Oh, my God. I know. That's like more than half a million people, which is ridiculous. And it seems like something should be done about that. But it's going to get worse. You don't say. Yeah, it's going to get worse because <laughs> there are going to be a lot of folks losing their homes when states uh, start allowing landlords to evict their tenants. And there's two sides to that. Because let's say, Alex, we are landlords, right? And maybe mm -hmm. part a huge part of our income was we saved up for many years. We've got another home and with a mortgage and we need that person to pay the rent to be able to afford to pay the mortgage because that is our business model. Yeah. And so now because that person isn't paying rent and we can't evict them, maybe it's we're going to lose our second home or whatever it is. So I can see that there is this is not just a very simple issue. I, I'm really actually really glad to hear that because I, I know that people think, you know, I have the right to have a place to stay. And I agree. It's a very basic human right. But like you said, there's always two sides to the story. And even for, you know, um, my family who that's in China, we sometimes talk about, you know, maybe if I buy a place, then we need a uh, we need help with mortgage as well. And there's just a way that's just a way of financing our mm. investment or even just some people. That's so that's like a source of income for some people. Like if they could rent out mm -hmm. their place mm -hmm. for, for example, four thousand dollars a month and then they choose to live in a smaller place that only takes about, you know, a thousand dollars. And then the other three thousand dollars is what they use to pay the mortgage of the place that they own and probably support their mm. um, daily expense as well. And when that three thousand dollars isn't coming in for one month, two months, three months like that at, at some point it becomes something that is really detrimental to the family that something has to be done but of course it, it's it's mm -hmm. it's horrible for the tenants as well but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's 
always it's always more complicated of an issue than just who's paying and who's evicting, you know, the person staying in the apartment. Well, I was working on um, doing some writing for a book yesterday, and I noticed that during mm-hmm. China's campaign to alleviate absolute poverty, which they completed in 2020, one of the many tools in their toolbox was actually just building homes. So they actually like different provincial levels and like county levels and on the national levels. Sometimes it was like, okay, there's like, you know, 10,000 people living on the side of this mountain in this weird mountain pass. They don't have access to clean water. And so they, they just built them a town. And they're, <laughs> here's your town. Everyone, this is your home. This is your home. This is your home. It's like yeah. Oprah. Everybody gets a home. So like all these, they moved all the- <laughs> You get a home, you get yeah. a home, you get a home. So they moved all these people from these inconvenient and you know locations without water without mm-hmm. access to infrastructure and etc into homes that the government built them mm-hmm. now I, I don't know if that's going to work as a solution in the united states but obviously whatever's happening now isn't working so like it seems like the united states needs to look at other options it looks like china has cre- you know shown that there are other better options maybe maybe the united states can emulate some of that um, but let's let's move on a little bit. It's not just affecting the United States, this this huge problem of evictions. It's also affecting people in England or Great Britain, as this article from The Guardian mm-hmm. points out. 54% of post-tax income on average is used to rent a household in Great Britain. <laughs> so more than half of your income is going to pay your rent. That's, that's insane. That's just, that's just, I wouldn't know how to live like that. I mean, I, it's always something that I, I'm a little spoiled and I, I wouldn't, you know, <laughs> lie about that. So when I'm negotiating my salary, I'm always like, oh, I would love to use no more than one third of my salary for mm-hmm. my rent, which means this is the number that I'm expecting to be paid. But of course, you know, I give the effort and I think that's what my value is worth if I'm allowed to think that much how of myself but Mm -hmm. i i just can't and and then you and i both know that the living expense in china is not that high like food is not Mm, expensive mm, mm. unless you want to die in in a michelin star restaurant every day you know Mm. um (laughs) just you know if you just buy produce even if you just ordered like why my which we talked extensively about before you order why my every day it still doesn't cost you that much at all and then you know travel is really cheap like dd is is so cheap compared to uber and we talked about that too mm-hmm. you know even in china i felt like if more than half of my in a ba- city like beijing like more if more than half of my income goes to my rent i will be in great anxiety every month mm. and then i can't imagine if that is my income structure um if i was living in in the uk and in, in london or, or just someone like any of the big cities i think that's that's re- that's a little ridiculous <laughs> In the United States and in England, there's just a housing shortage because there's not enough construction of homes. I mean, in the United States, the cost of homes is going up. There were something like more than 500 major cities in the United States have median home prices at close to a million dollars. I mean, that's ludicrous considering people make, what, $7.25 minimum wage or something? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) How is that? These things are incongruent. The U.S. economy doesn't seem to be accounting for like your everyday folks, Janes and Joes 
those are not able to survive in this system. And when the eviction moratoriums end, the United States is going to face unprecedented homelessness. Like it's going to be a whole new epical problem, which obviously is going to drive up things like crime and drug use and divorce and all kinds of other societal ills, which is which is bad. So this this issue needs to be tackled somehow or another. Yeah. I mean, when I was when I was renting, I just remember the the way how I felt it was different when I moved back to China and when I reflected on how the places I was renting when I was in the U.S. And I, I began to think I was like, oh, my God, Alex, you're so understanding when you're in the U.S. You're like, oh, it's a hundred year building. It's OK. It doesn't have um, it doesn't have like a an electronic lock or something. Yeah, that's fine. It doesn't have an elevator. No problem. I'll walk up and then I'll pay. I'll happy to pay uh, twelve hundred dollars every once for that. Like easily. Hmm. And then you come back here, you're like, well, unless, of course, I wouldn't lie. Like in, be- in, in Beijing, if you want to live in the center of the city where I am right now, like you do have to pay a little bit more. But again, you're in a great location. You don't have to walk up six stairs of really old steps. And, you know, it's it's spacious and stuff. So like it's really it's it's really when I was in the U.S., it's it's a little um, I guess I wasn't thinking about the, the, the value of the money that I'm putting into the pockets mm. of my landlord. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, when I was living in San Francisco, and I guess San Francisco is a bad example oh, because it's really expensive. Notorious. Yeah, like yeah. You know, New York or something. But like I was paying, I don't know, I think it was 1000 or $1,200 for a room in someone else's home, which was attached to another person's home. So it was like a two-story home that this uh, family owned who lived on mm-hmm. the first floor. And they were like three generations of folks living in that. And I was living on the second floor in a two-bedroom which had four people living in it, a family of three and me in one of the bedrooms. And I was paying like $1,200 a month oh to live God. there. You know, it, I don't think I could pay that much. I wouldn't be so lucky. I think that same room probably now is worth 2000 or $2,500 a month yeah. at least. And so like, I can't even comprehend. And at the time I was living there, I was making, you know, I was kind of low income and I could barely make my bills. I remember going to the dollar store to buy like cans of beans and stuff to survive. <sighs> and I was just like, getting by. I do not think people are able to survive in the manner which I was accustomed to, which was actually on the line, you know? So I'm I'm living here in Wuhan. You know, I'm the reason I moved from where you're living, Beijing, it was rent. <laughs> I, I asked my boss, who I work for now still, I was like, hey, if I move to Wuhan to the branch we have there, could I have the same pay? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, I, I, I knew that the rent in Wuhan was like third or a quarter of Beijing. So I moved out here. Now I pay... 10% of yeah. my income for my home. And my home is like, I, I have two balconies. Oh my God. And like three bedrooms, two bathrooms. My kitchen is huge. My living room is bigger than my apartment. <laughs> my entire apartment was in Beijing. I'm not trying to brag. I'm just trying to put that in context. You totally were. <laughs> and you're making me furious with every word you're saying. Oh my God. Well, I'm moving back to Beijing in August. So this wonderful year has been lovely. You're going to have a taste of reality. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, rent. <laughs> but you know, it's not, I don't think it's... I mean, even in Beijing, like is it's not as bad as because here's the thing. China builds millions and millions, tens of millions of homes like every year. So like there even if you maybe you do live in Beijing, you always have the option of moving to like Kunming or Dali or something and get buying a house for like 300,000 RMB 
which is like in America, US forty or fifty thousand dollars. You could just move to any of these places and work remotely. Like you choose to live in Beijing because that's where your whole life and career are. But we have the options of moving to a lot of inexpensive places that are still very, very nice. They're not like no offense to folks in Detroit, like Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I remember, I was talking to my boyfriend about uh, my hometown because we were watching this show that's really popular in China. Um, it's called it's called Ren Shijian. I don't know the English translation. Some like you know a life story or whatever and it just got purchased by uh by by disney or or hbo mm-hmm. can't remember one of the major distributing platforms and i was telling him that this is a story about the northeast um and you know like this is when it came up in the 70s 80s um and the 90s majorly like that's the city that produced the first uh car for china and the first truck for china and all of that mm-hmm. and how you know it's kind of now because we're not so much uh focused on heavy industry you know cars and and other big manufacturing industries and how the economy is going down a little bit and you and then he's like oh so it's kind of like the detroit of china i was like (laughs) yeah and except for it's not (laughs) like it's still it's still a great place a great part of china it still has like other business sectors that are you know developing but with history wise yes but economic wise no it's still a very nice city to visit a lot of neighborhoods in Detroit, you know, this is an interesting side, you know, vein. I watched a lot of YouTube videos about it because it's really interesting. I had a New Zealand friend mm-hmm. who was living in Beijing with me and he went to Detroit for like some concert. You know, he, he's a sound engineer and he came back and he was like, wow, I want to buy a house in Detroit. And I was like, really? And he's like, so he told me about it and he was like, yeah, the houses are like $20,000 or whatever. Oh, wow. And like, yeah, they're dilapidated in some cases, but you take $50,000 and you fix that up and you've got a nice house. And so I watched, was watching YouTube and a lot of people are doing just that. A lot of people go in and they're like, okay, yeah. this house is falling apart. They buy it for like next to nothing. And then they invest like 50 or 60, $70,000 and they have a house that is really actually quite nice. So like instead of going and buying a house for 250 or 500,000 or whatever, a million, I guess, you just buy these, like, I guess you could call it a starter kit and then like rebuild the (laughs) heck out of that thing. And DIY the the house of your dreams. Yeah, I heard a lot of artists, uh, you know, like people who were like into like, oh, I want to live in a commune are like going and buying up like whole neighborhoods and then like then them and their like 20 hipster hippie friends or whatever those are not the same things by the way uh will like go and rebuild them all and like hey now we have a little commune on our on it's our block of artist people or whatever yeah so that's actually kind of neat i don't i don't mean to dis dis detroit but obviously when all the big automakers moved out that did create some problems there it definitely did and from from what i heard it's uh you know exactly the same behavior where people go in and kind of flip the properties Mm. that are driving up the prices (laughs) and nobody could really afford the people who are you know detroit uh locals and stuff so like those houses i don't know who's living in those houses and how is that gonna help with uh, local you know yeah renting problems you're right you know i'm always thinking about where can I move that would be super cheap when I retire? Because I'm like, I can not have to live somewhere like Beijing or Shanghai where it's all pop- yeah. posh. 
So like in China, I'm always looking around and I do find these amazing deals where there's like a, a town next to the coast in like Fujian yeah. and like it, it only has the population of like 500,000. That sounds big in America, but it's actually super tiny in, in China. The homes there are like 200,000 RMB for a brand new three bedroom. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. that could be my retirement home or whatever. But like in America, it's increasingly hard to do that. Even when you like go far, 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 far away and you're like in Alaska, like on the edge of like some of Juno or something something <laughs> the homes are actually still like 150 or 200 thousand dollars so like it doesn't seem like in america there's a lot of escapes anymore <laughs> i don't know if this is kind of becoming the trend in the united states it's definitely becoming more of a an accepted act here in china i'm sure after all of these years of living in china jason you know that most of chinese people would love to be able to own properties mm -hmm. oh yeah, oh, you yeah. Know, i want to have this house <laughs> i want to have this apartment under my name and that's what i call home but so like uh, more and more young people like me we we don't know where we're gonna be in five or ten years like i don't even know i'm gonna be in beijing in five mm. or ten years why do i want a, a you know in a big expensive apartment mm. under my name that i'm i need to pay mortgage for and that if i need to leave the city i need to find someone to do that or whatever and it's a lot on my on my pocket as well so a lot more young people are trying not to buy and just to rent mm, and mm. you know we used to think i used to think i was like look like people in the states they get married and and rented apartments rented houses or whatever mm, they mm. don't try to own homes but i do know you know all of my friends when they buy a house that's also kind of a funny thing like i've never really i've rarely seen my chinese friends regardless of their age you know posting on social media or, or you know kind of just announcing to the entire friend circle like i am a proud we're a proud homeowners now mm, mm, <laughs> but mm. people like think still in the states at least people that i know which i think probably represents a lot of people in, in the united states mm. um would all be so proud when they could buy a house like a property mm, you know mm, mm. actually purchase it and i don't know if that's it's there are some kind of like interchanging um ideas of what a home is between these you know two countries and their generations <laughs> it's kind of like you know we love the home we love like to buy stuff now you guys want to own like uh uh, houses so i don't know but i think the renting market definitely is becoming a lot more robust a lot more diverse here in china probably not like the u.s the u.s is still a little a little rigid when it comes to renting apartments There's so many things came to mind when you said that. First, I want to tackle like when people buy new homes, I barely end up finding like my Chinese friends. I barely end up finding out about it. I have a lot of right? contacts. Yeah. I, I, you know, we have WeChat out here. So like that's what your Facebook or Instagram and WhatsApp the Instagram. Yeah. I WhatsApp. Oh, gosh, that's one I don't have yet. <laughs> I'm writing this down. What's app okay this is one of the ones i got supposed to get huh all right failed okay. so i'm trying to i'm trying to grow younger by having these social media but actually on these platforms i just realized how old i am because everyone uses these hashtags and stuff yeah. and i'm like what are you talking about like what is lmao like i, I had to look that up on urban i'm i'm now on urban dictionary Here's a challenge every for you. day <laughs> here's a challenge over here jason figure out what SGTM means. SGTM. Okay. It's something to do with the Stargate TV show, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways. I'll tell you later off the show. Okay. Yes. 
was. So, you know, like I was thinking if I bought a home, I was thinking about already, you know, I was just fantasizing one day or maybe more than one day about, oh, after buy my first home, <laughs> I'm going to post this on WeChat. And then I was thinking, wait, I've never seen anyone say they just bought their home on WeChat. Am I right? Why is that? Every Chinese person I know owns a home or just bought a home or like it was about to move into their home or just been moving and lived in their home for five years. But I've never seen anyone post anything on social media like, check out my new apartment. I'm so proud. Look at it. I finally bought this. No, no, no one ever does that. Why is that, Alex? See, I, that's the thing that I <laughs> I can't comprehend <laughs> myself because it's... I would be so like, yeah, look at my apartment, guys. <laughs> right? Like if your home is really, you know, you made it really beautiful or whatever. But I feel like it's just something that people take almost a little bit for granted because everybody is kind of bound to buy a property at some point in their life. And before that, it's like, oh, you need to have a good job. You need to have, uh, you know, a stable you know, relatively stable life. And you need to, a lot of people buy apartments when they get married. So there's a lot of steps that come before, uh, you know, purchasing mm, mm. or finishing uh, uh, decorating a, a new apartment. So I guess, I don't, I don't know, but it's just not a thing here. Like people don't tend to say I'm a proud homeowner because does that, and correct me if, if I'm wrong, but does it, does it mean when people don't announce it, that means it doesn't take that much to, I don't to know. get? Like, I, have, I have a friend who bought their like bought their first car about a year ago and they posted that this was in China. They're from a different mm -hmm. a third third country, not not the United States or China. And they posted their new car and they were like first, you know, adult <laughs> purchase or something. And I was like, yeah, proud like and I was, but, you know, it doesn't seem like it's that common. That's I think the only example I can think of where someone like talked about a major purchase in that way. It doesn't seem I'm not sure if it's about like I think that's more modesty in China, maybe that's just my guess. I'm an outsider here, but it, maybe Chinese people are not like big on bragging or something. I, I don't know. That's my guess. That was my guess. That's that could be part of it, too. I if my observation is that when, when my friends post on on Facebook, on Instagram and say, oh, I'm a proud homeowner. It's not so like it's not so much like, oh, look at me about an apartment. It's like from what I read, they have this. Oh my God, after all of these work we put into our, <laughs> our work or life, we're finally mm -hmm. a homeowner. It's like a moment where tears come to, you know, come to your mm -hmm. eyes and mm -hmm. everybody's like, Oh my God, I'm so happy for you. Congratulations. You know, like you've earned, it's almost like your whole life is, is made is, is, you know, all of your efforts is put into just mm -hmm. this for this moment to happen. And I, mm. I just feel like, buying a, an apartment of course is a big deal for for chinese people as well but it's not like you know mm. a sign of you've made it talk about another thing you know I w we were talking very briefly about like where can people who can't afford you know uh, a home go other than obviously the streets and I, I watch a lot of YouTube videos and there are a lot of people teaching I guess how to live in trailers and vans and there are like people who like become like Instagram famous and they travel across the United States and their car for like mm -hmm. years not I'm not talking about like a month <laughs> like years traveling around like becoming IG famous and stuff and so it looks like you know
know, people are actually going into the cracks of society. Like they can't even afford to have four walls anymore. And so I guess trailers in like the middle of the desert is becoming actually a thing, which I, I don't I don't know if I to feel like happy that they found a place or sad that that's the only place that they can find. Yeah, you know? I, I saw the news many uh, not many years ago, but I think at least a good four or five years ago of um, and we talk about San Francisco and I think San Francisco is the most important. Uh, mm. Sorry, the most expensive place to, to, to live in in the United States. It's mm. ridiculous. Mm. Um, I think when I was there in 2015 or 16, 16 when I um, met some friends from San Francisco and they're telling me that they were living mm. outside of the city. Like it's not, it's like in like at the foot of a hill mm. or something. Like Daily city, South San Francisco. Right. Yeah. Even that, it was the same situation where there's a family living on the first floor and there are two bedrooms on the second floor and they were each paying $2,400 per mm. month to live in that. And it's just, that's just, I it's speechless for me. And um, if we, when we talk about, you know, rent being too expensive for people to live inside of a building like San Francisco really is that place because mm-hmm. people are like oh you know all those people in working in Silicon Valley the Bay Area they all get paid really well but I was like yeah but they also have to pay a r- ridiculous amount of rent mm-hmm. just to have a room mm-hmm. it's not even like an apartment that makes you feel like this is your place so I saw this guy who started to live in the company's parking lot in his um in his little van it's not even an RV wow yeah he, <laughs> wow. I mean, you know of course he decorated it and he was like this is how I stay warm this is how I go wash my face and brush my teeth and stuff and then he's like I actually have more people joining me now because you know it makes more sense for us it's closer to the company and we can't afford a place to live in I was like I don't know if this is great or this is sad for me like you just said you know <laughs> well, if you're a teenager it might be like a dream like wow I live in a van man but if you're like away from my parents in your 30s then <laughs> that's a maybe a problem right like I know if you like I, I could take I could accept that if that's a a vacation we're taking and you know we're just going on the road for, for my summer in the van <laughs> oh my god that's so cheesy <laughs> I love it though it's romantically cheesy but um uh, I hope Summer hears this. Um, but yes, it's, uh, you know, like just two weeks in a van or in an RV. That's fine, too. I love those videos called My Tiny Homes, mm. like where people, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, those video YouTube yeah. series that are yeah. really addictive. And people see like, this is how I to make use of my space. And this is, you know, what I this is what how I cook in a such small space. Mm. And, da, da, da. and it's families doing that as well. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. it's really people are buying right? these little like trailer things and putting them in their parents backyard or relatives backyard and then that's like a tiny tiny little home with everything yeah and it helped people a lot during covid like that's a really safe way to travel you know um you didn't want to take any public transportation just go on the road with your family and drive but if that's your permanent home Mm. even for a year i would i would feel like because i thought when i was living in the united states i was trying to save money as well and i thought it was like you know just a little downgrading wouldn't hurt too much. And I I moved into sort of a half. It's not even half a basement. It's just a basement. Like my window is at the at the ceiling of my room and it's very tiny. It's about like four inches. Mm. It's like a little hole. Wow. Yeah, it's like a little <laughs> hole. It's not a real window. And I bought all. Reminds me of like one of those jails from a novel where they have to look out. I actually kind of <laughs> felt like that. Now you've mentioned it. Thank you, Jason. Um, I, I felt I bought all these like 
sunset, sun, uh, sunlight simulating uh, uh, mm-hmm. lamps and, uh, uh, you know, all these kind of things that I thought would make me feel less like living in a basement. And I just, <laughs> it didn't help. I started feeling unwell after a little while. And then like not waking up to the sun was extremely hard for me. Mm-hmm. And, and after, I think I lived there for like six months. And after that, I was just like, yes, I saved me about $400 per month, but I can't, I can't do this anymore. So I, I don't think I can live in a van for like a long time. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think I, I mean, I'm, I'm in my mid forties. I definitely don't think I want to be living in a van. So <laughs> I really hope, you know, all the, the global economy stays the way it is kind of ish, because I feel like I'm eventually going to own a home probably very soon. Ooh. Just really my wife and I, my wife and I are ready to buy a home, but we, uh, we're really not sure where to buy it. Like I, I so we're, we, we wanted to travel all around China, mm-hmm. but you know, we keep getting like, oh, we can't travel right now. Okay, you can travel, but I have to work. Okay, you can travel right. You can't travel right now. Okay, you can travel. So it's just been, <laughs> we can't go and look around to find. We want to shop because I mean, we're in Wuhan. It's beautiful here, and the the apartments are incredible mm-hmm. and they're really affordable. And we were even thinking about buying one. We keep looking at different ones, and we're like, oh my gosh, maybe, maybe, maybe. But what about this other town we've never seen before? And so we could af- absolutely buy one here, but we want to look around first. Yeah. And so that's a a big deal for us. I wanted to talk really bit, a bit about like real estate in uh, the United States. I think there's a fear among people who are without, you know, people in the lower classes who are struggling and fighting to get into a, a shrinking middle class. And a lot of there's a lot of concern about people that big wealthy people are buying up all of the good land. Mm. Known very well as Bill Gates is actually going around buying up some of the best farmland. He's buying farmland with water on the farmland. And he's buying up all the best farmland all over the country. And he, I think he owns more farmland than anyone, which is really interesting. And there are some companies now that are looking into becoming real estate giants. So they're like going to buy, you know, hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of homes and then become rent. Everyone who lives in these communities will be renting to these huge corporations. It might be the future. And so I I was really, oh my gosh, this is terrifying. What a horrible future. And so like, <laughs> um, I, I was very relieved to hear Warren Buffett say a couple of days ago mm-hmm. that he would never invest in real estate. <laughs> and, be, and the reason he would not do that is because he doesn't want to have to manage tenants. <laughs> and so I, I'm like... Maybe other people heard him and were like, oh, yeah, that's a bad idea. And maybe some of them. Warren Buffett said, I only want to deal with money and not humans. Yeah, I don't want to have to deal with people. Oh, my gosh. I just want to buy like numbers on a screen. Listen to this wise man. What it's actually like to go through the process of renting an apartment in the United States and what it's like in China, because I think a lot of our, <sighs> our listeners would be really interested about the differences there. Oh, my God. I sighed because I remember my all of my I, I wouldn't call it nightmares. I would call them experiences of renting apartments in the United States. First off, first and foremost, we when we first moved to the United States, we're like, Oh, we're starting our master's degree. We're adults. You know, we're going to make it in the United States as adults. 
And then life says, no, you need a co-signer. <laughs> We're like, <laughs> what is a co-signer? And they're like, well, if you want to rent our apartment, it's not enough that you, you could prove. And I remember if I remembered it correctly, mm. they asked me to show my bank account. Like, wow, really? Yeah, the amount of money that I had in my bank account. What what year was this? This was 2012. 2012. Wow, I've never had to do that. That's I think wow. it's specifically <laughs> for international students uh, because we didn't uh, have because uh. we just moved there. You didn't have credit score. Right. And I was like, why are you asking me this? I told you I just moved to the, I just came from China. And then the real estate agent was like, oh, what's your credit score? I'm like, I don't have one. Like, I just moved mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, well, then you need a co-signer. I was like, what part of I just moved here do you not understand? <laughs> it's like, I'm here just for school. I don't have family relatives. I don't have people that I trust enough or trust me enough to be my co-signer. But I forgot how we eventually uh, overcome that problem with the first uh with the first apartment we lived mm, in mm. um so i don't even remember how we got in contact with the agent i think they work with a university and so they were recommended mm. by the university and we were able to go to their uh rental the rental office and they took us to see different couple of apartments I'm like, i think we just went to see one apartment and the the <laughs> it's funny the landlord was uh an asian family as well and it was a I think it was supposed to be a two bedroom, mm. but they made it in, made it into a three bedroom. And I remember my roommate, one of my two roommates, measured the exact area of each room and did the math wow. and divided our rent according to that. What was their major? And, uh, <laughs> engineering, electronic engineering. And I think he really deserved that degree. And um, you know, he was really he was like, let me measure it. And and the room wasn't it wasn't square as well. It was like irregular shapes and stuff. So like he did there was a lot of work that went into it um this hypotenuse means i get a discount okay exactly exactly (laughs) i don't have that corner so no it's not a full uh square that i'm getting (laughs) take the money off of my rent (laughs) so we did that into three people one bathroom uh no living room uh a bigger kitchen which is lucky uh which we had a a a mouse in later on you know (laughs) we're living in a a closer to alston in boston and if our listeners are from boston uh, from boston you know that alston is also called rat city because there's so many rats um so (laughs) yeah and and so we had to do that and i think we're paying uh that's one thing that i kind of liked uh, of renting in the states we're paying month to month so like every month we just pay up our uh we pay up our rent and we're okay and we only the three of us we only lived there for a year because it had this you know um have you had those if you lived in new england where they have you have to use central heating in winter time and if you're if the pipe is not clean if there's still something water or whatever water and air that's from the year before when they start to how put, old was your apartment <laughs> it's very old no i've I, jason have no, you that had is not, you're not describing homes in california <laughs> the pipes would the pipes would bang it's like sound wow like, yeah see i heard about that in movies i thought that was just not, a movie thing and so it's real life man it's real life and they they 
the bang so loud and I was like, it's going to break. And then we call the landlord and I was like, no, it's not, it's not going to break. And then close to Chinese New Year, of course it broke and it started leaking and all of this rusty water just <laughs> soaking up my floor. It was so bad. It was so bad. And we moved out of it after a year. I just couldn't do it. And then I was like, okay, sure. Great. I was paying like, um, like $800 or something for my room. I'm going to pay 1200 for just a, a studio apartment, a tiny apartment if I don't have to deal with that banging noise that's so horrible mm, wow nightmare is not i think nightmare is not too much of an exaggeration well uh i'm gonna go a slightly different direction because you know homes tended to be where i was moving like a uh, newer and so i moved to the bay area and uh uh, there was credit check, but I didn't actually have to like give them that much. I just gave them my full name. And then they were like, okay, like a couple days later, we did a credit check on you. You check out, you can rent this place. And so I had money and whatever. And like from mm. my parents and from myself and from like uh, student loans and stuff to, because I was moving out there to get my degree. But, but, and you know, I stayed in that same apartment for a while before I moved to South Korea and moved back. When I was in South Korea, I didn't have to rent an apartment because I had a weird contract where my landlord or my, my boss was my landlord or something. And they they just said, here's your place. Move in. And that was <laughs> that was terrible. It was don't do that, guys. If you were going to move abroad, <laughs> get the money and choose your own apartment. Shop because for they your me, own place to yeah, live. They put me on the first floor. And you know, those long centipedes that are like oh, sc oh scary big, like thick, like, I don't know, a marker <laughs> thick. I and don't like, like it. Three markers in length. They can move fast. Oh, okay. By the way. Oh my God. I'm getting goosebumps. Really? <laughs> yeah, I was. Ones, I woke two different times. I was woke up and something was moving across the wall oh. at like lightning speeds. And I, I, oh. I complained. <laughs> I complained. I told my landlord, I can't live there. I can't live there. I can't live there. And so, like, that's such a horrifying picture. <laughs> it was terrible. Anyways, battle between me and the bug. It's oh terrible. Anyways, God. they ended up moving me to another apartment, like uh, on the ninth floor of the same building or whatever. And I was like, okay. Okay. The floor is warped. There's nothing alive here. So <laughs> there's no sense. <laughs> okay, I can live with a warped floor. Yeah. But you know, they, you know what's interesting about South Korea is like they have this in China sometimes and they have this in America sometimes, but it, almost always in South Korea, they have the heated floors. So mm. that was that was that was nice. A warped floor. Because but it was of warm. Heated. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I feel like bugs is just something that we can't run away from wherever you are in the world. Didn't it just snow there like a couple days ago? I snowed like it was in December. <laughs> I'm so like jealous. Storm. I love the Oh snow. my god. You don't see this is how people are always looking at the other side. Like, I want that. It was like we had summer for like two days and then two days after that it was snowing like crazy so like it's hot and cold with like i don't know like a 15 degrees temperature difference and i i don't think a lot of people could handle this weather and people were kind of just getting sick all over the city mm. um because of that but it was it was really beautiful and now that i'm living on the 18th floor of an apartment building and i look down on all those trees that are covered in snow is quite a sight it's mm. quite a view I, I saw some of the pictures on social media it, it looked absolutely resplendent <laughs> i when i moved back to San Francisco, I had to get a new place and I we moved to um, mm -hmm. Sunset District, which is beautiful. And I, 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 like I said, I moved into that bedroom and they, again, they also did a, um, you know, background check on my credit score. And they were like, yeah, your credit score is a little weird. And I was like, yeah, I, I wasn't in the United States for a year. And like, yeah, cool. And they let me move in. But you know, what's interesting in America, at least in California, in my experience was first and last. 
So you pay a yeah. deposit or last month rent or a combination of last month and mm-hmm. deposit plus one month rent. And that is not my experience in China. And I have no. rented a ton of apartments. My wife and I, we move like almost every year. So we've had eight different apartments or something and 10 years of living in China. Mm. And it's it's usually three months and then maybe yep. also a deposit. And sometimes on top of three months in a deposit, last month. So you, you need to have like, yes, I have the money to live here, sir. But there's no credit score at all. They do not. There's no such thing as a credit. If you want to have a credit score in China, it's because you're getting a loan at the bank. That's the only reason you would ever get a credit score is to check do should you be able to get a loan like in america you get a credit score to get a job yeah you get a credit score to rent an apartment you get a credit score for like all these unnecessary things but in china you only need a credit score if you're actually getting a loan which i think is makes a lot of sense you know it doesn't like why does my credit score have to do with me coming to work for you sir (laughs) or ma'am yeah i was kind of lucky like not you know when i was when i left the united states that's when i kind of I started to get really overly wary about what my credit score is. And, you know, there are all of these hacks about this is how much you spend on your credit, on your how much you should use on your credit card. If you don't want your credit score to go down, you would think that if you just, you know, use a little, very little bit of your credit line and pay it back, your credit score will go up. Mm. That is false information. You are supposed to use like 45 percent or whatever. Mm. I was all of these things just so that you could have a decent credit score so they could continue renting a place. I was like, that's a lot of work on me. And I'm a very bad at calculating, you know? Yeah, I, th- I think it's in the hope that people are going to screw up and they can take advantage of you. I think that's basically banking in America. Just speaking of banking, <laughs> at, at banking, I just want to quickly rent just very, very quickly because after I came back, mm. I, you know, I didn't close my bank account because when I first moved back to China, I wasn't sure if I was able to go back to the States to, to continue to work or whatever. So I didn't close my bank account. And right now they're like, oh, well, if you want to close my bank, your bank account, you have to call us uh, during our office hours and you have to use this like, you know, uh, international landline. You can't just do it mm. with all of these automation and, and computer and AI technology. You would think that it's something that they could, you know, bank of america could do but they're like no we want to go the, the most old-fashioned way i was like ah oh, whatever and then you know how they when they charge your uh uh um, debit card it's not a mm. credit card so i thought which is how things work in china that if there's so money in my mm. bank account that transaction would Overdraft. fail right and that was <laughs> they take the money that didn't exist in my account and now my, uh, my, my account is in, neg- in the negative. And then they're like, because you don't have enough money and because we took the money that didn't exist in your account, we're going to charge you overdraft fee. And because it falls under uh, the required amount you have, you could have in your savings account, then uh, your checkings account, then we're going to charge you uh, a management fee every month wow. as well. I was like, this doesn't make any sense in the world. <laughs> I was like, I did not know this when I was living in the United States. And now I'm back. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe if people who mm. are literally making it, you know, every month trying to make ends meet. This is what have, they have to yeah, worry about. That's insane. insane. You know, I, I've had that where like I have two bank accounts in China. One is linked to my payment style, you know, to use WeChat and Alipay and all that stuff. And one is just like mm-hmm. it just sits there and I use it to transfer money into my other account if I need it. And so, like, if you run out of money, and I'm not good at calculating this with you, <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes every couple of months, like, my expending account just runs out of money. And I'm like, okay, I want this, like, I'm going to order, uh, I don't know, a ukulele or whatever, anything. I, I, I just <laughs> random things. Ooh, ukulele, I got to have that. Anyways, it'll be like, no, you can't buy this. 
not enough money in your account. It does not let you yeah. use money that you don't have. It just says, no, you can't do that. What are you thinking? Exactly. <laughs> I was so, when I found out about that, I was like, how, what, huh? <laughs> like all kinds of question marks in my head. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Because altogether, the money that it didn't, didn't exist that they, they, they took out of my account and the overdraft fee and uh, the management fee altogether, that was about $200. You know, a lot of people, this is interesting because a lot of people think, oh, you know, America's pure capitalism, which it's not, but they always say that. And they're like, you know, what it what kept the capitalism is we have the best products. Uh, personally, no, you don't. And the secondly, like what it does, it, is it creates situations like this where people don't really have any accountability, it seems, because everyone's trying to deregulate the market or whatever. And then you end up with banks yep. charging you fees letting you spend like $3 you didn't have and then charging you like $18 or whatever it is now. I don't know. I'm talking about 10 years ago and then charging you a fee for having it overdrafted for more than a few days. And then you have a monthly fee for it being overdrafted. And it's like, yep. wait, this is a poor person you're talking about, right? They didn't have m enough money to buy their groceries. And now you are basically completely hurting this person like you're t you just caused them like 50 dollars in damages for like trying to buy like some groceries so that they could survive the week like this is horrible this is absolutely horrible like so i think like and like it doesn't necessarily create the best products and services like i think it's just ridiculous i don't understand what lawmakers are doing in the united states if they're not stopping stuff like this in a weird way in a weird way, when when I was thinking about what's happening to mm -hmm. me and how this is actually a lot of people in the United States, it almost feel like mm. it almost feels like you're being punished if you're mm. poor. Like if you don't have enough money, you will be punished by the system, by the banking system. And I'm just I, I just don't know how I feel about that. I wanted to ask you, because I have some stories I want to tell. I wanted to ask you first, though, like when you were ever moving out of an apartment, did you ever have a landlord in the United States or in China or anywhere? I know you lived in England briefly, too, like where you didn't get your deposit back or they threatened not to give you oh your deposit God. back. Was this ever an issue? <sighs> Let me give you a long sigh first. <laughs> um, it okay. happened. Second long sigh. Oh, God. It's, it's, it's such a, a, a dreadful current, a, a topic to talk about. Mm, um, mm. I had, if I'm counting right, I think I had two landlords, you know, two places that I was renting um, using my own name that took money from, you know, that kept uh, the deposit. Not in full, but one of them, the my landlord in New York he took a giant part from it. I think we only got like $400 back and then each of us paid a twelve uh, fifty mm. for, for deposit. So we got like a third of our deposit back because he was just saying all of these things. And we had all kinds of problems living in that apartment. We had a uh, roaches problem, ants problem, wow. you know, all of that. 
Yeah. Um, Where was this again? This was Astoria in Queens, New York. Mm. And it was, it's a nice little condo, three uh, floor condo. And we lived on the first floor and all of that. But, you know, like good memories there, but still he took our money. And um, when I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina, mm. I was renting a, you know, a, an apartment that it was, I was only paying 975 every, every month. And it's a really, really nice apartment and stuff. But by the end of it, when we're moving out, the, the, the property manager uh, who was super nice to us all the time was like, you know, this is what you didn't do. This is what didn't look right. And there's a stain on the floor. And, and then I think, I think they took about three or $400 from my deposit as well. Mm-hmm. So both times I was, I, I lost closer to a thousand dollars just for deposits and stuff. And then they ask you to really clean the apartment. I remember I always like, you know, really get really stressed out about moving out of an apartment because I need to make sure that I, when I leave, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm, the apartment mm-hmm. needs to be pristine. Like it needs to be spotless. Otherwise they're going to find something and they're going to be like, mm. we're going to take your deposit. Firstly, I always take photos before I move in. And then I'm like, I, I send them to the, <laughs> uh, what is it called? The, the intermediary person with the real estate agency. And I'm like, here are their photos. This is day one. Mm-hmm. Keep these. And they're like, we're not, we don't want to keep these. I said, you must keep them. And anyways, you- <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, I've never actually had a, pro- a big problem in China. I've got 100% of all of my deposits back. Uh, and I moved eight times. But I did have to have like a, a debate with someone one time, like about like they were like, oh, it's 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 so dirty compared to where it was. And it was like, no, it's not. It's cleaner. No, nope. I pulled, pull, <laughs> pulled my camera out and I was like, here are the pictures of it before. Look at it now. Do you see that it's cleaner now than it was before? And he broke down and he was like, OK, whatever. You should <laughs> and when I was in the United States, I have a really interesting story because I told you I was renting a room from another family of three folks. It was like a, two brothers. And one of the the older brother's uh, wife, and they were renting from the people who lived below us, who I think owned the duplex. And um, this was like 48 hours or 24 hours before I was moving to China. Yeah. Before like, I was like, okay, I'm going to move to China. They were like, oh, we can't give you your deposit back because the house is dirty. And it wasn't dirty, but like they were just trying to point at every little detail that they could possibly point at. And they pointed at like the shower door was like fogged up. You know how it gets that, that, that residue on it? Oh, and it, it, it yes. takes a little scrubbing. So I went in there while they're in the other room debating and I'm just rubbing the, like the glass as hard as I can with everything that is in the bathroom, like frantically getting dirty and like I'm on my back scrubbing it and stuff. And oh like my God. as they're debating, they both walk in and they look at me on the floor scrubbing the crap out of this thing. It was getting cleaner. It was by, by the way, I was, I was doing it. <laughs> it was getting done. Yeah. Anyways, the guy was like, okay, <laughs> I think he felt sorry for me they they were saying he's moving to china like tomorrow and i could hear them saying that (laughs) as they turned around the corner and they could see me you're making him do this right now frantically clean and he was like okay fine yeah so they get so i ended up getting the money back just by putting on the big show of like making sure that I was cleaning while they were debating. It worked out really well, you know. So sometimes a little you got to put your back into like a performance. Yeah. And and just speaking <laughs> of like moving out and being on a deadline, that reminded me of this experience that I haven't thought about for a long time. But it was so normal when I was living in Boston. Just this is Boston specific. And I'm not sure if it's uh, the same for other college towns. So it if it, it, I don't know if you heard about this or anyone who's lived in Boston Uh, would talk about this but Mm. every year on august Mm. 31st that's the big moving day oh for like university everybody and then there are so many people like including my friends who are living really close to us that day when they're moving they have this weird rule 
you have to be out of the old apartment by midnight, but you can't go into the new apartment um, until 7 a.m. in the morning on September 1st. What? It's such a weird rule. Okay. Like, it's like nobody's willing to budge. And so that it just creates this weird loop that you have to be stuck in where from midnight, you know, uh, August 31st until 7 a.m. Uh, September 1st, you don't have a place to go. You would see young college students with that's all, weird. It's so sad with all of their belongings on the street. And they're just kind of just sitting outside and hanging. <laughs> I kid you not. And we did this Sorry. for our friends. Hey, at least it's summer. <laughs> exactly. At least it's the summer. Like, uh, but st- I was like, it's so it's weird. It's so weird because they, I think the, because a lot of. Why is this? I don't understand. I think a lot of these uh, homeowners, these landlords in that area, because a lot of college students are renting. They don't want to deal with, they're like, they're thinking like Warren Buffett and don't want to deal with humans. So they leave that job to <laughs> the real estate agents and the real estate agents, they have to check every apartment, I guess. So to make their job easier. And of course, I imagine they're going to be like staying up all night as well. And there's not enough people doing it. So in order to make it easier for their schedule, they probably just make sure everybody's out before then so that they could make sure they've checked all of the apartments that people are moving into by the next morning. And then whatever you would have to do in between that time period, it's not really their concern. So like Mm -hmm. I've sat outside with my friends and their belongings and this car, um, with the headlights on for the whole night where he didn't believe me. I said, if you leave this on, your car's battery is going to die and you won't be able to drive it next morning. And that's what happened. Yeah, so it's yeah. okay. Don't listen to Alex, you know, <laughs> but I've done that. It's really, it's really odd thinking because I forgot about that until like we just started talking about, you know, moving um, in the United States. And I was like, oh yeah, that was the thing in Boston. There's so many ideas I had from what you said. One of them is like in China, like if you rent like on August 26th, they just charge you like a couple more days of rent based on like, you know, prorated out of what one month rent would be. Yeah. So why couldn't that be a thing where it overlapped by a day? I mean, you could, they could make more money by charging one more day of rent. Exactly. I don't know. Uh, In Berkeley, they have a same, the same thing where every, at the end of every spring term, a lot of, Mm -hmm. you know, graduating seniors, they go home or like even juniors or freshmen who are rich and don't care they just oh i'm moving back home for the summer the whole city is full of free furniture so because in in china you move into a home oftentimes if you're just renting it's fully <laughs> furnished or at least at least partially furnished yeah and in, in america you have to move all your own garbage <laughs> so like like so for americans who are listening they don't understand you obviously all your clothes pictures you know your little tiny yeah. table or your shoe rack or whatever you move with you but like the couch and like a few tables and some chairs and maybe even bed. the bed yeah is just a part of the apartment and the landlord will replace the mattress periodically every couple year or two so like there's no big deal you don't have to move all that stuff unless you move in and you're like i don't like this couch which yeah. some people do sometimes and that creates an issue but in china it's a totally different situation for renting in america so in berkeley they would just be like stuff all over the city and so all the people who are like not rich would be like woo free furniture day and like go and scoop up all the cool stuff it's the yeah? same yeah. it's the same in boston as well like it's a they call it so the night before everybody moves out before august 31st mm. august 30th is called uh alston christmas <laughs> because that's that's when you just go on the street and there's all kinds of i remember for our first apartment the first apartment that i rented in the united states my tv was picked up on the street it was those like big box tvs it wasn't you know, like a fancy <laughs> flash screen we, we picked up the tv i picked up uh we picked up a big dining table 
Mm. We moved it back with like has like paint on it. And in my in my apartment in New York, the one that I had in uh, in um, Cobble Hill, that one we picked up a coffee table and we picked up a and then I was picking up books all the time. Mm. Just people mm. that people just randomly leave on the street and whatever. And sometimes it says, "Don't touch bed bugs." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least I don't have to worry about that anymore. Speaking of free books, I, we don't have that much time left, and this is kind of off topic, but I just want to mention it to people who maybe may live in the Bay Area. If you are interested in free books, there is like a book outlet because Berkeley has a ton of libraries and obviously a lot of folks just donate their books to, especially wealthier people who are not interested in collecting them. There's a place you can go that's like two blocks off of the campus near uh, Hastings and you go down, mm. down one floor and there's just like a rack every day covered with free books and it says free books on the top and on this rack are like i don't know 100 books and every two or three days it's completely new books oh, and you wow. can just go scoop up two or two or three books a day and pretty soon you've got a very nice library that's at a home. good book ecosystem to have yeah I, I managed to increase my collection quite a bit during that time i need to just finish <laughs> reading my collection <laughs> It's so slacking on reading books and I still <laughs> want to buy more. It's a bad habit. Anyways, you know, that is all the time we have. It's such a great privilege and honor to speak with you, Alex. Thank you for coming on our show. Likewise, and thanks for always having me, Jason. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody. 